are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Today is Monday, February 28th, 2022. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control zone for more information on that if you are interested. We will be answering your Mariners questions in the last two segments of today's episode of Lockdown Mariners. But before we get into those, we're going to be looking at Seattle's rotation, see how it stacks up against the rest of the AL West. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this. We greatly appreciate it. So Colby, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at different position groups on the Mariners and seeing how, like I said earlier, they stack up against the rest of the AL West. First up, we have the starting rotation, and this is a, a network-wide initiative here. So if you're interested in hearing how the Locked On A's folks and the Locked On Astros folks and the Locked On Angels folks and the Locked On Rangers folks feel about this particular topic as well go and check out their shows after you're done listening to this one so colby let me just ask you this right away obviously there's you know a lot of uncertainty still especially with the mariners rotation given the lockout given where they are they added robbie ray of course that's the big one here uh but with logan gilbert's rise and Marco Gonzalez, you know, kind of having a shaky year and Chris Flexen being a nice surprise. How do you feel this rotation stacks up right now? Yeah, when I was looking at the rotations around the American League West, uh, one thing I noticed is that it's really arguably a four-team race. Um, I mean, as of right now, Oakland still has a very good rotation. We expect that to change uh, once mm-hmm. the lockout is lifted. Um and it will certainly look different by, you know, July 31st. But um, Houston, again, pretty good, pretty good uh, rotation. But there are some questions there, mainly guys coming back from injuries. Uh, the Angels on paper would appear to have a good rotation, mm-hmm. but it's the Angels. So, I mean, come on. And the, yeah. and the Mariners rotation is it's currently incomplete. Like, we don't know what the Mariners rotation is going to look like. I think we know who for of those guys are going to be, but I think you and I are both expecting the Mariners to add a significant uh, person in the uh, number five uh, spot. Um, Whether or not he pitches in the number five spot doesn't really matter, but they are going to add a significant arm. Maybe somebody like Sonny Gray, maybe Frankie Montas, maybe Chris Bassett. We don't know, but that is our expectation at least. So uh, it's a little tough to, to rank these right now when the when the off season is really, like a month long right now. So it, it, it's a little tough to say, but uh, I think it stacks up pretty favorably. I think when you look at uh, depth in the high minors, uh, the Mariners are probably in the best position to withstand a few injuries here and there. Um, mm-hmm. But as things sit right now, I did rank them third behind Houston and Oakland, but yeah. I think they could have the best rotation um, come opening day, whenever that is. I think they could have the, uh, 
I think they could have the fourth best rotation depending on how things shake. It really is that close. And then, you know, you just have the Rangers kind of out there by themselves in fifth place. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to build a rotation no matter what they do that's going to end up being better than the Astros on day one on opening day. I mean, you just think about that rotation that Houston has right now and adding Verlander back to that. Obviously, we got to see how he uh, he gets back on the horse if he's able to get back on the horse here. But when you think about Valdez and Garcia and Urquidy and McCullers, you know, well, that's a really that's a really good rotation. McCullers coming back from injury too. Yeah, of course, so, of course. That all that all has big, to be accounted for. Two big horses coming up, coming off of uh, pretty serious injuries, and you have Valdez, who, you know, number three starter, good pitcher, not, not great. Same with Urquidy. I, I I think you can make a case if the Mariners added somebody like I, Luis Castillo, right? I, I think Ray Castillo, um, Marco, for example. I think that's probably just as good as Verlander, McCullers, uh, Valdez. I think it's right there. So I, I think you could make sure. the argument. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think ultimately Houston's going to be pretty tough to top, uh, at least yeah. come opening day. At the end of the year, yeah. who knows? Yeah. And then, yeah, I agree with you as well. I, like, I, I would probably put the Mariners three, um, just like you. Because the athletics right now, as they're as they're currently constructed, and you mentioned it uh, earlier, they are probably going to look a lot different than they do right now. Come opening day, whenever that is. Um, but right now, with with Bassett, Amontis, and Manaya, and those guys, like that, that's a that's a really strong rotation. And and the thing for me with Mariners rotation is just there's there's still a lot of uncertainty right now. Like we hope that Logan Gilbert builds on his really impressive September and figures things out and adds more efficiency to his secondary and tertiary offerings. But, um, you know, that's still kind of a question mark. Uh, Chris Flexen being able to repeat or at least be able to build off of his first year in the big leagues uh, last year, uh, first full year at the big league level uh, last year. You know, that's another question mark. What is he going to look like with the league having a full book on him? Uh, this turnaround, um, you know, I, I worry about Robbie Ray regression. Of course, obviously, he's changed some things in his mechanics that should be able to be sustained. But I have my doubts that he is going to uh, repeat his his Cy Young, you know, the Cy Young caliber type of pr- productivity that we saw out of him last year. Um, so taking that all into account the one thing though that i'm pretty confident is that marco gonzalez is going to bounce back from the year that he just had i think that's kind of an outlier Uh, i don't think that that's who marco is he dealt with some injuries he had the uh the birth of his daughter there was a lot of stuff that went into him kind of struggling at given points in time throughout the season and and the ebbs and flows of it all um i think as long as he stays healthy this year i think we're going to see a a marco gonzalez that more is in line with what we had seen previous to to 2021 so i i feel in in general and you also made another great point about the uh the prospects that they have right george kirby brandon williamson some of the the guys that we do expect are going to at least get some innings at the big league level at some point this year matt brash another one probably the first guy that we'll see out of that group, honestly. But, uh, you know, there, I, I think, honestly, this this rotation might have the most upside in the AL West. But will that come to fruition? Who knows, right? Like, w- w- there, yeah. there's so much 
and that goes back to the to the conversation of how much uncertainty is is here. But uh, I think they're firmly third right now. I, I, taking everything into account, taking the uncertainty into account, taking the upside into account, taking the you know just whoever this mysterious fifth starter ends up being into account. I think like at most, I, I think the floor for that fifth starter is going to be someone like Michael Pineda who you've mentioned a bunch that's pretty good that's a that's at least in line with you know the Tyler Anderson maybe even a little bit better than Tyler Anderson um but I think also we're probably more likely looking at someone like Sonny Gray being added to the this rotation and at that point I think they end up going into opening day just trying to project here I think they end up going into opening day with the second best rotation in the uh in the division yeah I, I think it's definitely possible um you know, the Angels rotation on paper is pretty interesting. I mean, obviously, Shohei Otani. Um, yep. Noah they got Syndergaard. Sinder, right. Uh, Noah Syndergaard. Um, you know, you kind of like Michael Jose, Lorenzen. Yeah, Michael Lorenzen's interesting. I really like Jose Suarez. He's kind of a fun arm. Um, mm-hmm. you, so you kind of look at their rotation, you go, hmm, it's not bad. But again, how is Syndergaard going to look coming off of the Tommy John? Um, he's a little overrated yeah. anyways. He's more of a three than a two. Um, yeah. you know, Suarez is going to hold up and what happens if slash when, you know, a, an angel starter gets hurt because it's going to happen. It yeah. always does for the angels. Not a lot of yeah. Reed Detmers. Like he I'm wasn't so, good. I'm so unimpressed up. by Reed Detmers. You know, this tie. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a big Detmers guy. Um, yeah. so yeah, I just, I look at that rotation. I go, hmm, if, if you could tell me that I was going to get 162 starts from those five guys, like total, I mean, yeah, that, that could be pretty solid rotation. It's not going to happen. And when once, did Dylan Bundy join the twins? What the heck? Yeah, that, that <laughs> was, that, that was very, that was very early on, but uh, I do remember that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it looks good until you dent the armor a little bit and then it loses all its integrity. Uh, and so if, if, you know, the angels suffer, a, a you know, six to eight week injury with cinder guard, which is totally possible with Otani, which is totally possible. It's like they're relying on Reed Detmers and Griffin canning to weather that storm. Uh, whereas the Mariners right now, they're relying on Brandon Williamson or Matt Brash or George Kirby. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite different. So uh, that's why I had the Mariners ahead of the angels. So to summarize, I think you and I are both in agreement here that the Mariners rotation, it could be better, and we think it's going to be better than it is right now by the time that opening day comes around, again, whenever that is. But there's definitely a lot of uncertainty to account for here. But at the end of the day, I think they're in pretty good shape. So we are going to be answering your mailbag questions here on Mailbag Monday. But real quick, another reminder that this episode of Locked On Mariners is, again, brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. And just a reminder to check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB Stars of Tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. So let's stick with the pitcher theme here and answer a question from Hayden. Asks, it seems that most of the ace pitchers are on the market. Which pitcher would you prefer? And what's a 60 grade trade that you guys would be interested in? So Colby, uh, I'll defer to you here real quick. Who of the trio of A's pitchers that seem to be available? That's Sean Mania, Chris Bassett and Frankie Montez. Would you uh, prefer? Um, well, the best one, which would be Montez. Um, you know, I, I think if you're asking me to rank them, I think it would be Montez, Bassett, Manaya. Uh, Bassett, Manaya, mm-hmm. pretty interchangeable, but they're clearly the second and third um, options behind Montez. Um, I think a 60 grade trade for Frankie Montez would be like Taylor Trammell, Zach Deloach, and, you know, uh, Will Fleming, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. it just it's hard to see the it's hard to see the A's doing something like that. But you know they do take bulk from time to time, and and it's not impossible that you know maybe they really like Connor Phillips, or maybe they really like um, you know right. Will Car Perez and and Victor Labrada, and they they want that more than they want Taylor Trammell. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think the odds of getting a sixty grade trade. For Montes are, are pretty slim. Uh, the odds of getting a sixty grade trade for Bassett or Manaya, I think they're a pretty decent chance because those are the type of guys that Oakland could go bulk. They could look for a lot more bulk. Right. Um, like I have no issue seeing like the biggest prize the A's getting in in either a Bassett or Manaya trade being like Connor Phillips. Like that's the best right. guy they get. And while I like Connor Phillips, if you're asking me what I trade you know, Connor Phillips for one year of Bassett or Manaya. Yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, for me, it goes Montes Bassett and Manaya, uh, with mm-hmm. Manaya and Bassett being completely interchangeable and a clear step below, uh, Frankie Montes. So that, that's how I would rank my preference. Yeah. Uh, Montes, I agree is probably not going to be, too attainable for the Mariners like he, he will be but I don't think he will be at a cost that the Mariners are ultimately comfortable with that makes sense so for me honestly I like Bassett a lot I think Bassett's a good fit I think he to just slide him into the middle of that rotation um, I don't think he's going to cost a ton relative to his talent level so yeah I'd probably go Bassett one, Montes two, Manaya three. Because, like, Manaya is, don't get me wrong, Manaya is pretty good, but um, uh, he's the least exciting of the three to me. And I don't know, there, there were some reports. I don't, I don't know if you saw these, Colby, but there were some reports earlier on in the offseason where. They were asking for what you were kind of describing on the um, the Montes deal for for someone like Manaya, which might also be the case for for Bassett as well. So who knows? But 
yeah, uh, that cost has to come down for me to trade for really any of these guys. Um, because right. I can just go to the uh, to the Reds and get Sonny Gray for like Levi Stout, you know, somewhere in that Connor Phillips range, probably, or maybe Brandon Williamson, which eh, that's a that's a tougher pill to swallow. But right, eh, well, maybe for Gray me. also comes with a little bit more club control, mm-hmm. a little more, and certainty. so that's something to. And he's at a, you know, and even though that he's at $10 million a year, that's still, a, you know, that's still a, a, an absolute steal for someone like Sonny Gray. So I have options here. I have options to more or less leverage here. And so I, I'm interested to see where, like, how much the A's are willing to come down in their asking price and, and how much, you know, and when teams finally say, all right, that's something we're comfortable with what the Mariners say that they're comfortable with. Cause I, at the end of the day, the A's are going to trade these guys. There is no way that they're going to pay all right. three of them. And I think the fact that we're probably going to miss, you know, miss regular season games. I don't know how many, um, but I think yeah. the fact that, you know, the A's are going to lose out on the limited revenue of those guys, even probably makes them a mm. little more motivated to trade people who are making money like Manaya, who's, you know, in the last year of arbitration, probably going to make like right. what eight, nine, 10 million bucks. So, um, yeah, yeah. I feel like Manaya is is probably the most likely of them to get traded. Um, but yeah, for me, like I'm not trading Brandon Williamson for Sean Manaya. Um, no, nor am I for for Chris Bassett. By the way, no. Like, would I trade him? Would I trade him for Frankie Montas? I probably would. Um, sure. Or I'd strongly consider it at least. But again, that's because if Manaya had two years of club control left, then I could see it. But he doesn't. Yeah. So I yeah. Just, that that price has to come down on all three of the guys, really, and I think it will. Yeah, I think it will as well. Um, I think eventually teams are just going to wait out the clock on on the A's and mm-hmm. uh, force them into a position where they're they're more or less you know where they more or less have to trade one of them, yeah, or two of them, or all three of them, really. So we'll see how that goes we know that jerry depoto has said that he likes all of the a's guys he didn't say specifically the pitchers but he says we like all of them when asked about players that the uh, the a's have available so yeah uh we it, they, it's a safe bet that they've had some discussions there on that front so we'll see what comes of that whenever uh teams are able to start talking to one another again legally that is all right, Jay Qua wants to know, what do you think uh, Andres Munoz and Ken Giles will add to the Mariners' bullpen this season after recovering from injuries, or should we be worried? And if you are worried, who should we try and add? So I'll say this. I'm not all that worried. We've said this before on the show, talking about the bullpen, that the Mariners have plenty of fail-safes. There isn't a ton of pressure on Andres Munoz or Ken Giles to perform, really, if we're, if we're being real. Coming off of the year that the Mariners just had in the bullpen, with Drew Steckenrider, Paul Seawald, Casey Sadler, Diego Castillo, et cetera. It's a good bullpen right there. So really all that Munoz and Giles does is just bolster that even further. And yeah, there's going to be some regression from the four guys that I mentioned, but as, or at least that's what fans should, exp- uh, should anticipate. But yeah, at the end of the day, I, I really, I don't think that this bullpen is dependent on, or the success of the the bullpen is dependent on whether Ken Giles or, or Andres Munoz are, are good this year. I just think that they're luxuries at the end of the day, and they just make a really good bullpen all all the more better. So, 
Yeah, I'm not worried at all. Um, I don't think that Ken Giles is going to come back from from Tommy John and be the Ken Giles that we had seen before that, or for for most of his time at the big league level before that. Obviously, there's been some hiccups here and there, but yeah, and same with Munoz. Like, guy's also coming off of Tommy John. He's only thrown an inning at the big league level since then, which was in game 162 last year, of course. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff to like with both of these guys. Um, and especially Munoz, and they've invested in Munoz, given him an extension. So they really like him as well. But at the end of the day, uh, like I said, you don't have to rely on either one of them. So I think you're in a good spot right now. And so I, I would have very little to no concerns about either one of these guys. Yeah, it's like like I said, you don't really need them. Um, if they're there and they're pretty good right away, then, you know, Seattle's, uh, bullpen lead that they pretty much have over the rest of the division already only gets that much wider. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's wise to go out and spend big money on, on you know, relievers for the just in case. I, I think the just in case guys are, uh, you know, Matt Brash and, and Wyatt Mills and, and Patrick Weagle and, and like, I, I it, plus Jerry's really good at finding those guys, you know, Plucked Austin Adams for nothing, Connor Sadzik for nothing, Paul Seawald for nothing, yeah. Drew Steckenrider for nothing. Like this is the one that, like, yeah. not even the the biggest Jerry Depoto hater can deny that when it comes to finding bullpen arms, Jerry is fantastic at it. So I I'm not yeah. worried about the bullpen at all. Maybe it's not very good to start, but it will be fixed. I have I'd be shocked if the bullpen was the problem for the Mariners heading into even like you know, the third month of games, whenever that is. Yeah. Honestly, this might be their best position group in general, which, yep. you know, we're probably going to be talking about this more on Wednesday show, mm-hmm. but uh, we got three more questions to answer, but real quick, want to remind you this episode of locked on Mariners is brought to you by Bill bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my new year's resolutions. That is, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar, and it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Now, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low-calorie, high in protein, so replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there's so many amazing flavors they have to offer. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. Mmm, just sounds so good. Now, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. This episode of Locked On Mariners is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. 
you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, whereas with Rock Auto, it's only $216. Plus, Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Colby, we got three more questions to go. You ready? Yep. All right, let's get into it. This one comes from Benjamin. Our last question via email says, hey, guys. Appreciate the love for geometry. Oh, yeah, this is uh, this is Benjamin, the, the geometry guy, the geometry of the lineup. <laughs> he says he does not love the idea of Kelnick or Julio in center, especially Julio. So what do we want to see as the likely geometry of the outfield in 2022 and beyond? He adds that I think Taylor Trammell planning out or Kyle Lewis being able to stay healthy and take the, take that spot is the best case scenario. But what would you do? So thank you for the question, Ben. Uh, for me, yeah, I agree that best case scenario, Kyle Lewis is healthy and he plays center field for you. But that doesn't seem super likely. Now we'll see with the delay of the season or the expected delay of the season. It's for context uh, here. It's 1236 Pacific time. Uh, on on Monday that we're recording this right now, we have no confirmation that the season is getting delayed yet, but all signs point to that happening. Anyway, maybe if the season starts in May or June or what have you, Kyle Lewis is healthy by then and he plays center field. So that would be great. Uh, but yeah, I, I I feel like they're putting all their eggs in one basket, which is Kelnick or Julio panning out there. I don't like that idea as well, just like you. Uh, at least I'm not a huge fan of it. I think Kelnick is going to be a little bit better than he was last year. I, I think he can be at least average in center field. Julio, it remains to be seen. I mean, he is certainly incredibly athletic and more athletic than I think a lot of people think. So it's possible that he could handle it properly. I mean, none of us thought that Kyle Lewis would be a proper center fielder either. So uh, especially after his injury. So, yeah, but overall, what what would I do? Uh, honestly, my preference at this point, because the center field market is so light. While I like Kevin Kiermaier, he's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. He caught he would cost a lot of money that eats into a chunk of what else I could do on the market. I'm probably putting Seiya Suzuki in center field if I'm making the decisions. I'm signing him, putting him in center field, because I think he could at least be average out there. Kind of and I feel better about him in center field than Jared Kelnick. Colby? Still kind of assuming you can get him. Um, based on what's on hand, yeah, of course. Like what the Mariners right. have, like right now, um, it's going to be uh, uh, like the best case scenario would be Kyle Lewis being healthy. Uh, well, actually, the best best case scenario is probably like Taylor Trammell is an actual big leaker, like from day one. Sure. And because he's probably the best center fielder. But, you know, the more realistic scenario is that Lewis is healthy enough to play center field four or five times a week. Um, and he does that. And he's just as good as he was before the injury, uh, which allows you to slide Kelnick to left and then uh, or right. 
depending if you get Conforto or Suzuki or um, I don't know, Nick Castellanos or whoever, right? It doesn't really matter who. Right. And then Haniger in the other spot until Julio is uh, deemed ready to come up. Um, at which point, you know, Mitch DHs quite a bit. So, um, again, you need four good outfielders uh, to get through a season, probably five, but the Mariners right now have yeah. one. Mm. Like one for sure good major league outfielder, and, and that's only with his bat. So, yeah, the Mariners need help out there, and, and if they're not going to go out and get Suzuki or Conforto, which would be a mistake for me, um, and they don't want to pay Kiermaier, uh, then I don't know. Maybe it's just we live with Kelnick's defense and in center field uh, innings one through seven, and then in the eighth inning we go and we throw, you know, Billy Hamilton out there in center field and move Kalnick to right and get Hanniger out of the game. Uh, maybe that's a way you can kind of, sure. you know, kind of put out the hands team like they had a few years ago and uh, work your center field defense that way. But yeah, best case scenario would be Kyle Lewis healthy uh, playing center field as often as he possibly can. All right, let's move on over to Twitter. Daisy and the Dingo at Daisy's Dingoes. How do you think the Mariners will approach the draft this year? I.e., what positions might be of interest? Do you think they'll pursue higher floor guys in the first few rounds like Kirby and Gilbert or higher ceiling like Ford? Any specific players you guys really like? To me, I think at this point where the Mariners are, where they're not really... Uh, they, they're not really drafting guys to fit their timeline anymore. I think it's just best player available. I was of this belief last year. I really wanted them to draft Benny Montgomery. Colby was really into the idea of drafting Harry Ford and look what Heck happened. Heck yeah, I was. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of the same strategy this year as well. I think you go best player available with your first round pick or maybe look to get creative. Um, you know, with, uh, with your bonus pool and, uh, and just get the best value out of your draft class that you can. Yeah. That's the way most teams do it anyways. Um, you know, as I, I think Ty's right, it's, it's the best player available that you can sign unless you're going to try and do a, uh, something fun with the, with the bonus pool, which Seattle's done once when they drafted Evan yeah. White and Sam Carlson. Um, they haven't gone under slot in the first round, though. Even Evan White was a slot guy, so, you know, it doesn't appear that they would do that. But then again, it also didn't appear like the Mariners were going to draft a high school position player until yeah. they did. So, yeah, um, you know, it, oh, the, they're, they're always going to draft college guys. They prefer college guys. And then last year, their first, what, four picks were all high school guys. So um, they're just going to trust their board. They're going to trust their people. Um, in terms of, like, who are some some guys that I, I think probably make some sense? Um, you know, I'm going to butcher some names here because I haven't seen them play. I've only read about them. But uh, Zach uh, Neto from Campbell, he's a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter Young, who actually played high school ball in Sela, which is yep. right next to us. He's the shortstop for Vanderbilt. There's some swing and miss there, but he's got some power. He's pretty good. Uh, he's going to be able to stick at shortstop, good defender. Uh, Robert Moore, college second baseman from Arkansas. Um, I really like uh, Landon Sims, but obviously feels like he's not going to be there. Uh, Dylan Beavers is interesting. You have Kevin Prada. Um, obviously, Luis Ramirez, who we're all very impressed by. Um, yep. There's, It's actually a pretty good draft class. 
particularly for uh, for college uh, bats, um, which is mm-hmm. a nice change because for the last few years it's been college arm heavy in prep bats, and not so much the other way around. Uh, but I could totally see them doing even something like going, um, you know, Ian Ritchie, uh, who's a local kid, high school kid from Bainbridge Island, um, drafting him because he's got that type of stuff at 21. So literally anything is up for grabs, but those are a few of the names I've found that I like so far. Um, obviously there's a ton more and, and, you know, we'll do more draft coverage once we know when the draft is. And once we, once we, you know, have a regular season to also talk about, but, uh, yeah, yeah I think Ty's right. I think it's just mostly, Hey, you know, we really like this guy. We can get him signed. Let's take him. All right. So last question of the day comes from at, eight crash Davis who says I'm here for a playoff berth as much as any Mariners fan, but do you think an expanded playoff should that happen would water down the accomplishment at all? Just a thought that's been on my mind. Given the CPA talks playoff berth is obviously a win either way. You said it right there. Playoff berth is a win either way. I don't get this whole notion that the Mariners making the playoffs in an expanded playoff format is some sort of Mickey mouse playoff appearance. That's ridiculous. Even in an expanded playoff format, even if it goes to the utmost extreme uh, that the league has and the players have been discussing of of a fourteen playoff, uh, fourteen team playoff format, that you're still one of the you're still better than half of the league at that point. You still have to be better than half of the league to to get into the postseason. I I just don't see how that's um, how that should really diminish that at all. I you know you're still going to have to be above 500. You're still probably I mean last year and last year's a bit of an outlier, but last year had the same playoff format being been imp, uh, implemented. The Mariners would have been the seventh seed at 90 wins. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, typically it's probably going to take more like 83 to 85 wins, but that's still like you have to be really good to get there. We have seen how hard it is to get to just. 80 wins to get to 500 to stay at 500 for a whole season. It's incredibly difficult. So that's still a very much an accomplishment that should be rewarded at that point. I, I, I'm not as opposed to the playoff expansion as a lot of other people, especially when it comes to the Mariners and the Mariners end in the drought. I don't think that that should diminish that accomplishment whatsoever. Cause again, like I said, you're still better than half of the league. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, I don't get it. The answer is no, um, not for one single second. Will it enter my head that, oh, well, they had to go to seven playoffs or, oh, they had to be a shortened season yeah. for them to make the playoffs. There's somebody who, who in your life who's going to tell you that. Get them out of it. Uh, they're anti-fun. And not for nothing here, but the most celebrated team in franchise history that nobody will shut up about is the 95 Mariners. Who, what do you know, made the playoffs the year after the playoffs expanded in a strike slash slash lockout shortened season. You want to take away the accomplishments of the 95 team because they expanded the playoffs for the first time? Really? You want to you want to go back and wreck on that? No? Then shut up. And I'm not saying this to the person who asked the question. Obviously, they're they're very much heck yeah playoffs but every mariner fan should do that and if, if any mariner fan is yeah. going to tell you not to do that get them out of your life immediately they're not really mariner fans they're there just to suck the joy out of everything you like and you need you deserve better than that so uh to answer yeah. the question bluntly no and if this is the person you are then i guess the 95 team that didn't matter at all because all they did was end a long playoff drought 
in a strike shortened season the same year that the playoffs happened to expand. Get out of here with that nonsense. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Like I said, 83, 85 wins, even if that's what it takes to to make it as the seventh seed. And again, this is also assuming that the Mariners end the drought by being the seventh seed or the sixth seed or whatever. We don't know that. They could be the fifth seed. They could win the division. We don't know that. Is it likely? No, but we don't know. Right. We don't know how they're going to end the drought still. So, yeah. Uh, but even if they did get in as a as a seventh seed, as a sixth seed, winning 83, 85, 87 games, whatever it takes, still a great accomplishment. That's still something that takes a lot of work to do, to put together. I think it's a fair question. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, put hate on the person who asked the question or anything like that. Uh, it's just the notion of that that anybody would think that is absolutely ridiculous to me. Um, and, you know, at eight crash Davis didn't say he thinks that, but yeah. it, it's, that's fine. But like, if, if you do think that, you know, maybe this isn't the podcast for you because I don't have time for you in my life. So thank you for the question. Eight crash Davis. Uh, it's a good one, but the answer is definitively no. All right, so on that note, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day. Day, and we will see you on Wednesday. Peace.